HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. Do you know what the supermarket of the future is going to look like? How about what they're talking about at big food tech conferences around the globe? Curious? This episode of Tech Bites is for you. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. You're listening to that great little techno song, which is the theme song to Tech Bites. And we have a local DJ, Uptown Nico, to thank for that track. And every time it plays, it makes everybody in the studio really happy. Everybody always kind of bops around and taps their feet and everything. So a shout out to Uptown Nico, the DJ who created the song. If you like that song, he plays out regularly in New York at festivals like Bonnaroo and clubs down in Miami. Uh, Uptown Nico, you can find him on SoundCloud and other places where DJs park their music. As I said, it's the theme song for Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk to influencers and innovators about food tech. And today we have a double header, double whammy show. We have some returning guests, which we love. We have Mike Lee, who's the founder and CEO of Studio Industries, which is a New York City-based design firm. He was one of our first, first guests back in 2015. He was on episode number five. 
du, du, du. <laughs> I think you are our oldest returning guest so far. Woo! Yeah. It's exciting. Where's my cookie? <laughs> I can get you pizza in about five minutes if you want. Pizza is just a savory cookie. True, and they do have sweet baked goods, and I think there's ice cream, so that's Deal. also optional. Deal. Sitting next to him, we have Danielle Gould, who's the founder and CEO of Food Tech Connect. She was on episode 20. So this is episode 105 today. Today is July 13th, 2017, in case you're listening in the future, which I know many of you do. And as we approached episode 100 a few weeks ago, I was looking back at the canon of all the episodes and thinking about what would be interesting to check in on. And these two came to mind, not only because independently they are uh, really doing interesting things in the space and kind of creating new paths to follow, but they also became, I think, the food tech power couple in New York City when they got married. Two years and change. Yeah, <laughs> but since you were on the show, so there you go. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh my gosh, woo! Two years of pure bliss. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh. <laughs> anyway, we thought it would be great to have them back on to talk about what's happening in the world of food tech because they cover a lot of ground. Most recently, I saw them both at the Summer Fancy Food Show at the Jacob Javits Center, which is one of the largest specialty food trade shows in the world. And for the first year, they had a special exhibit called Level Up, which was really about uh, future, the future of food, tech solutions, solving food problems. It was very uh, forward thinking and very different. And it was one of the first times, I think, Mike, that you were able to actually put together and show people your supermarket of the future. That's right. Yeah, we uh, partnered with uh, Fancy Food Show to uh, create the first physical installation of, of the Future Market. We've been working on the Future Market project for a few years now. Um, you doing, talked about it on episode five. I did, yeah. yeah. And at that point, we were doing concept products, and we were doing a lot of speaking. We were doing a lot of workshops with companies. Um, you know, the Future Market sort of has this broad vision of just trying to help the food industry think more ambitiously about food and what it could be. Um, the whole thing, as I've mentioned many times before, is inspired by the idea of um, like the auto industry putting out concept cars. The um, car of tomorrow. The car of tomorrow, which really got me excited growing up in Detroit. And uh, really the whole thing exists because I wanted to have that kind of thing for food. So uh, how was it received? It was received really well. <laughs> it was great. Um, you know, it, it was. It's it's always really exciting to put something that you've been thinking about for so long out there into the world. And I was really just um, delighted that people, first of all, got it. You know, they they because it's there's not anything in food that it really compares to. Um, you know, there are these products, these 22 concept products that we created, which for the most part are don't physically exist. And I think people understood that, oh, that's cool. That's like, these are just visions of what we should be able to make the food system into. And a lot of people had the wherewithal and they have the resources to maybe kind of act on them. And I think they were inspired by that. So There were a few things, though, that when I was walking through the exhibit, I was, you know, you could almost, I almost have seen some of them on yeah. the startup pitch circuit or on, <laughs> yeah. you know, some of the new uh, entrepreneurial type 
products and things that you see at these different events. Danielle, Food Tech Connect not only hosts events, but you participate in a lot of the startup food tech happenings around the world. What's the break point you think between from the f- supermarket of the future from what you've seen that's actually happening in real life up against what, what his vision and predictor is? Because it's very close to me. There's some on some things. Yeah, and that's by design, I think. So the future market says, what if these, this was the norm, right? What if you take some of the entrepreneurial activities that are happening today, right? Looking at things like um, whole cow or um, whole animal eating. Um, if you were looking at what if we are farming in the sea, right? And kelp is a mainstay in our diets. Um, so I think that, that that's what the design, it was by design, that you're seeing some ideas that right now may, may be very niche, um, but what if, they, what if they're mainstream and what if we're able to do them at scale? And a lot of the future market was looking at what are the necessary systems that need to be in place? You know, so it might seem like it's a product, just a product, but in, in actuality, it's an entire farming system, their technologies, right, distribution channels, um, and a lot of those things don't exist today. So, for example, with, with the um, home brewing system, um, the idea that you'll be the, the, at the core of that home brewing system was the ability to capture yeast from your own environment and use that to brew your beer, hyper-local beer. So right now, you know, you could have Pico Brew where you're, you're brewing your own beer at home, but there's not this element of the local terroir. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit of an evolution on, on some of those products. Um, one of the products that, that we all really loved is um, uh, the custom culture. Um, so this idea that you would swallow a pill that would track your microbiome in real time and that you could then customize your yogurt based on your personal gut microbiome flora. and gut flora and your personal needs, right? So elements of this kind of, some of it exists today. The science isn't there, right? It's kind of the, the bleeding edge of where we're all hoping to go. Um, I think one of the most exciting things was that you know, there were some ideas that are maybe simple, right? Like holy cow, which is where you're buying 1% of an entire cow and it's just kind of packaged up for you. Um, and that seems like something simple and you could actually do that today. And yet people, you, we saw retailers coming in, you know, butchers, different companies who were like, oh, you know, I've been thinking about this, but I didn't know how to put it out into the world. Um, and so I think that that was really exciting also to inspire people and to help take ideas that are kind of bubbling to the surface where there's a lot of interest and show them what a product might look like. So the whole animal piece is interesting. And I, I put this question to you, Danielle. I know that you spend a lot of time traveling and speaking and going to different uh, food tech you know, conferences and, and, and meetups around the world. Something that um, I encountered specifically in Milan with the World Expo last year when there was a lot of conversation at the U.S. Pavilion and and the expo itself was focused on food and feeding the planet. In the United States, we're very focused right now on food waste. That's Mm -hmm. definitely a trending topic. It's getting bigger. People are more interested in it. They're attacking, solving the problem from from different points of view. And one of the responses from the European community when uh, American chefs or people would put forward the idea of we're going to sort of revolutionize food waste by using the whole animal, the European response was, 
Yeah, we've been doing that since the Medici's. That's just kind of how we cook and use agriculture. And, you know, we use the whole animal anyway, so there's not a, a revolution there. So from your point of view, in terms of what we're talking about in the United States, with something like that as an example, up against the conversations and the ideas you're hearing out in the rest of the world, are things matching? Are we a little behind because we don't have the same food culture? Is people talking about the same types of things? I think, I mean, definitely it differs based on on the country and your your cultural relationship to food. I think in the U.S., we are, our food culture is evolving quite fast, um, but definitely we have a different relationship with food and, and the ingredients that we, we became so used to eating such a small number of cuts of meat and ingredients. And uh, I think that startups and the good food movement and chefs are really shifting our what what feels normal and comfortable for people. Um, so I think that we're moving faster than, you know, you would have expected when kind of even seven years ago when when this idea of whole animal eating, you know, in the U.S. Nose really started to tail. Nose to tail. Yeah, really started bubbling up. Um, and, you know, a lot of that technology plays a huge role in that as far as storytelling, as, sto- as far as influencers sharing what they're eating. I mean, you can, you can even look at um, right now, there's a whole movement around fat and lard, mm. right? And you see all of these Instagram um, celebrities and bloggers who are talking about how they're incorporating fat into their, more fat into their diets. And, and Apparently fun. fat's not bad for you. Yes. Apparently coconut oil now is. <laughs> there's, a, there's a debate. A lot of people say that coconut oil is fine for you. I think everything in moderation. Yeah, I think exactly. we all agree that margarine is not good, though. Well, anything yeah. chemical is not good. <laughs> the 80s were wrong. I think chemistry on one side, not good. Natural on the other side, probably not so bad for yeah, you. Yeah. And then sh- shades of gray within the natural elements, sort yeah. of how I look at it. Yeah. I've always looked at it from the point of view that if it's natural, my body probably will know what to do with it. Yeah. Or if it's some sort of chemical creation, my body may not know how to process it, absorb it, digest it, or get rid of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think a lot of the things that we, all, a lot of the, the products at the future market kind of feel maybe somewhat familiar because we made a rule for ourselves early on when we were coming up with these concept products is just to not make stuff up from scratch. Um, and that that's sort of what divides us from being like fantasy or sci-fi. Um, we are more interested in taking very small kind of trends and things that are bubbling up and amplifying them to say what happens when that becomes mainstream. You know? um, and I think that's, that's sort of why some of the products may feel sort of fantastical, but they're all rooted in actually stuff that's happening today. So we, we, you know, so people can't necessarily say like, I don't believe you. That's never going to happen because we can always point at something that's starting to happen right now. You know? So what were some of the most surprising, uh, comments and questions that you both heard related to this? The uh, so unexpected, either in a positive way, yeah, or not positive way, or people got it or didn't the, get it, just something you weren't anticipating. The most positive thing is, um, I liken this to uh, so we had this whole customization engine, and one of the things that we we're trying to say with this is that in the future, um, how you shop for groceries and how you buy food, even in a restaurant or anything like that, is all going to be influenced by um, your specific person. 
Um, so what your body needs from a health point of view, what your soul kind of needs from a preference point of view, um, what you're allergic to, what you're not allergic to, what makes you feel good, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea is that we simulated that whole idea that, that, that data can follow you around. So the first thing that people saw at the store was that we had 22 concept products, but then you would answer 12 questions to try to get at what your food ID type is. Food ID is the name of this system that we created. Um, and at the end of those 12 questions, uh, we gave people a food ID type. So, like, for example, like, if you're really into just flavors and you're sort of a gourmet, you are a taste monger. Or if you're <laughs> all about sustainability, you know, you're a climate crusader. Um, the big surprise was that people loved that part. Like, I, I thought people would like it, but people loved it, and they loved finding out what their food ID type was. Like, we probably had the most incidents of people Instagramming the screen that shows, like, oh, I'm a taste monger with their name on there. Um, Do you think that's because people are conditioned to take all those surveys in Facebook and social media? Like, what kind of plant are you? What yeah. kind of animal are you? What, you know, 80s we, yeah, pop star yeah. are you? Which if Game you of Thrones were, character are you? Exactly. Yeah. If you were a sandwich, what would you be? <laughs> I think it's definitely, um, yeah. So e- there's this line between, like, what is real and possible today and what we, we kind of want to simulate. And, you know, in, in the future, we, we imagine that, like, biometrics and sensors and things like this could keep this data in in the present we're kind of you know left with kind of doing a quiz and yeah i think we did tap into that whole the thing that buzzfeed kind of unrolled for all of us and uh people got excited knowing their personality type for food and i I think people really liked the fact that then they were served up eight of the top products based on their personality and that this idea of having this custom experience and food that's made specifically for them people got really excited to see what those foods might be sort of help navigating Mm mm-hmm it's interesting that all of the um, personal preference algorithms from Amazon and Netflix mm-hmm. and just, you know, what you, you know, uh, programmatic uh, advertising on, you know, TV and the Internet, we're becoming more and more used to technology in our environment sort of serving up what we would like. Yes. Yeah more and more. If you bought that, you'll like this. Recommendations for you. You know, try these things. Do you want to reorder? Um, Rate these things so we know what you like. It's almost, um, on the one hand, it makes things kind of easier and perhaps your path to discovering something you like is, is... a little bit more clear, but then on the flip side of that, do you feel like it miss you miss out on the surprise and delight of discovery of like wandering through a market yeah. or wandering through a bookstore or walking down yeah. a farmer's so market? For future market, people always have the option to just wander and browse. So you can get the personalized we, we recognize the personalized uh, track as as a decision that you can make. Um, so we, we, you know, cause I, I recognize that especially when you're going out to eat or in a supermarket surprises are really what food is all about as well too. So you can kind of still have that experience if you choose, but if you're short on time or you just want to, you don't want to like surf through tons of stuff. Um, we always, we also give that option too. And I think that's a dynamic that's going to pan out in the real world. Absolutely. I'm sure there were, were there a number of people did anybody think it already was something that existed? Did anybody try and buy the system or the stuff or want to order it for their store, or their catalog? or We did. So we had a lot of people that you were... have a sales lead generator? Well, so that... <laughs> <laughs> so the, end. the future... I mean, the future market is really kind of just... Um, it's a very 
like outward facing face of a lot of the stuff that we do behind the scenes with product design and in consulting and helping companies make food products better and faster and, and better for people, planet profit. That's our mantra. Um, so yeah, a lot of the products people saw and they were like, Oh, I am a food company in that category. And that's a really interesting idea. Let's talk more, you know, or, um, the algorithm behind food ID, you know, some people were like, that's really interesting. We'd love to talk about how we can kind of flesh that out more and, and use it for our use case. So, um, yeah, I think in, from that respect, from a pragmatic respect, it definitely kind of started a lot of interesting conversations. Yeah. Cause a big part of it was, and this was a little shocking to people. They said, well, what are you going to do with all of these ideas? And we said, well, we want to put them out into the world and to inspire the food industry. And you can either steal them or work with us to actually build them and make this a reality. And so we were really excited that there was a lot of interest with companies that want to work with us to um, create, turn this into a reality. Did anybody say they were going to steal them? We told them that they, they should steal them because we, <laughs> we sort of said, you know, the difference between what we're doing here at the Future Market and everybody else at the show is everyone at the show is like, here's my idea. Please don't steal it. Right. You can buy it, but don't steal it. Um, we were the flip side because we're in the game of kind of inspiring the industry. We're saying like, no, please steal these ideas because the greatest thing that could happen is if we propose an idea that is better for the planet, better for people, um, and then somebody takes it and runs with it and kind of creates something like that. That's the shift that we're kind of going after. Mm -hmm. Well, we are going to have to shift gears for just a moment. We're halfway through. We need to find out who our amazing sponsor is for this episode. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. We're kind of like public TV. We rely entirely on underwriters and members to keep the lights on and make new radio. And right now, today, keeping our 35 live shows on the air and tens of thousands of shows in the archives is really our mission. We're the number one food radio network in the country. And if you like these stories, give our sponsor some love. program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs, including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org.
Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today we have Daniel Gould, founder and CEO of Food Tech Connect, visiting with us, along with Mike Lee, founder and CEO of Studio Industries. So, Danielle, we were just talking during the break that you spend quite a bit of time going to events and conferences and spotlights and stand-ups around the world. What are some of the things that you're hearing? Well, yeah, I've been traveling quite a bit, May and and June in particular, um, to conferences where we were focusing on food innovation, both from the technology side, food product side. Um, I think that some of the most exciting trends that that I'm seeing are, um, number one, that the conversation has really moved forward. And, and the types of companies, there's been an evolution in the um, the amount of companies, the sheer just number of startups that are working on tackling the entire value chain of food from farm to fork. Um, there's so I was just in Italy at Seeds and Chips, and I don't know, there must have been 20 agricultural technology companies from Europe, Asia, um, you know, that we don't really get to see in, in the United States very much. Um, there's a lot of focus on personalization and creating the Internet of Food, which is really exciting. When I started Food Tech Connect um, about seven years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. That's like 700 years in the tech innovation space. Yeah. it was. Well, most people told me that I was crazy. And when I was talking about these ideas of open data, data, technology, and food, and that farmers would be sharing their data and researchers would be collaborating and just that, that chefs would be using technology. And everyone said, that's absolutely crazy. It's never going to happen. And so I think that what's been really amazing is, you know, this year at almost all these conferences that I've been to, open data and creating an internet of food and interoperable data sets, which are actually critical to kind of building the future that we all want, that those were center front and center in these conversations. So um, on the interoperable data, you know, right now you have re- different researchers and startups and um, universities and governments, they're all creating, they have separate ways of talking about food. And so it's really hard to collaborate and share their information because they have different ways of categorizing their different foods. And so what's super interesting and exciting is that right now there's a lot of discussion around creating a shared um, ontology for how you talk about food. And I think that's going to be really interesting over the next five years, and it's going to really shift um, the way that our, that we're able to do research and that we're able to share knowledge and best practices from across the, across the globe. Um, I think the other really exciting thing is that, you know, Food Tech Connect was one of the first food innovation ecosystems in the world. Um, so we started, there were four of us at a bar in Brooklyn, and then we started doing events on a monthly basis, and no one else was talking about this. We started hosting hackathons, and what's been really exciting, and you know, it just even has just matured so much, is that now in every country in the world, I think, and, or in most countries, I don't know about every, but there are ecosystems that are starting to emerge. There are conferences, there are meetups, there are startups, there are investors, and that's. I think that's something that's that's really exciting, and um, and it's been great to be able to 
travel around and meet with all these different communities. To your point about um, things happening around the world, we did an episode um, 101 back in June, Vive la Food Tech. It was a group of uh, French tech entrepreneurs who were in the U.S., in New York, uh, to do a mini French tech meetup and then participate in some other American events. And the thing that was fascinating to me about my conversations with them was that they were developing tech specifically for the U.S. market, mm-hmm. which was really interesting um, because it's big, because it's this, but because it's that. So uh, it's interesting to me to think about internationally people starting tech companies and food tech companies for their own market but then also seeing the growth in the U.S. market and saying, we're going to make some stuff for them over there. Yeah, I think it's such a large market. So a lot of companies will start a company in their own country, kind of incubate it, but they ultimately want to come to the U.S. because it's just such a large market. But I think also um, China is a huge huge market, right? The it, huge the, market. The huge probably. market. Yeah. <laughs> Capital T. Yeah. Real and also in India there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of interest. Um so yeah, but you are a, a lot of people do want to get into the US market. It's interesting. And if uh people folks are interested, episode 101, Vivla Food Tech, it's also the first bilingual episode that we've done on Tech Bytes. And I believe the first bilingual episode we've done on the network it's the first half is in english and the second half is in french but there's subtitles for both absolutely <laughs> absolutely david was in charge of the subtitles <laughs> yeah I, I handled all the translation duties on that one <laughs> so the two of you have great platforms and businesses that you're running and i'm sure that when the two of you are home or riding you know your car to the studio you're constantly talking about what you're doing what you saw and i'm sure there's some natural collaboration that just happens. Um, but you two are actually collaborating on an official project. Can you tell us about that? It's funny that you say in the car on the way to the studio, because we literally like had a little business meeting in the of car. Of course you did. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that you're having many business meetings all the time, yeah. just by nature of the fact that you're both very busy. You're probably not actually in the same space together all the time. And you probably both have a million thoughts. Yeah all the time yeah it's a it's a never-ending stream well so our new project that we just launched uh recently is called alpha food labs um and it's it's sort of a new thing but it sort of isn't in a way um it's 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 the moniker for all the things that danielle and i have been doing in disparate places um food tech connect studio industries our food design arm or future market our kind of futurist arm um all of those things are kind of balled up into alpha food labs and the goal for alpha food labs is it's an innovation ecosystem that helps food companies create products that are better for people planet and profit um we uh you know have been just doing so many different things but similarly um they they all kind of have this thread of trying to move the conversation ahead in food innovation um so we're doing things like helping large companies do rapid prototyping around food products so we're in 12 weeks we're um taking kind of early ideas and turning them into actual products, turning them into actual brands, doing user tests with them, um, and trying to kind of infuse some startup startupiness, I think that's a word, um, into kind of big corporations to help them 
The big corporations are really kind of desperate to A, figure out what's happening in the entrepreneurial world, and then B, figure out how they can get some of that into their departments also. Um, I think one of the things that is most cumbersome for larger corporations is the necessary mentality of failure being a part of the program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sort of just letting go of the traditional, uh, you know, sort of work cycle and then accepting the fact that, A, there's a lot of work and innovation that happens that's not visibly seen on the timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And then you have to put resources into... You know, creating things that don't work to get to the thing that does work. Yeah. yeah. So that's what, what we help companies do is, number one, we help them fail faster. Um, and we don't... And, and be comfortable with and that com- failure. And be comfortable with it. Have the failure be perceived as success. Yeah. In some ways. And look at the failure as actually not failure, but learnings. And so that every every failure, every no gets us closer to a yes. Right? And that it we take that and we do it in a way where it's we do it fast and we do it within a limited budget so that it's not we're not spending three years to have a big you know hundred million dollar failure um we're spending three months to have a 200 to like five hundred thousand dollar you know learning um and i think that that's really helpful for companies um, the ability, and not only that, but also to bring in new talent and some of kind of the best talent that you wouldn't be able to hire in-house. And so being, bringing fresh ideas. Um, and I th- then I think the, the final thing that we bring to companies is, like, where a lot of large companies, they get user insights, they get briefs from, you know, companies that they work with, that they um, outsource um, their market research to. And we really get in there. You know, we're, we're very user-centered, design-focused. And so really understand, starting with a need and a really focused need and working very closely with the users on kind of this co-creation process. That's exciting. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, and part of the aspiration of what we want to do also is, um, um, is creating a startup studio because we see a lot of problems out there in the food industry that maybe not enough people are addressing. And, you know, if there's not a client that's waiting to kind of help do that or there's not a startup that's already doing that, um, we're creating an ecosystem where we can kind of launch and pilot a new idea. So, say, you know, food waste or biodiversity, right? Those are two big issues. And maybe you're not seeing a company that's already doing stuff like that. So if with Alpha Food Labs, part of that is saying, how can we create a little startup that is dedicated to um, fixing biodiversity out there um, through product? Uh, And then can we test it, put it through its paces, and then spin it off with its own CEO and, and all that stuff? So is Alpha Food Labs a little startup, or is it sort of the umbrella that's bringing together all of your other businesses? It's an umbrella, but I think it's also kind of targeting all of the other businesses on a shared purpose. Uh, I mean, if you look at the ecosystem, you know, through Food Tech Connect, we have the community engaged of innovators, you know, 36,000 people worldwide of innovators. There's physical meetups and things like that. There's the newsletter, which is sort of our clearinghouse for information. So we get so many relationships and insights through that. Um, that and the come, job board. And the job board. And the job board. If yeah, anyone's looking for a job, just going <laughs> to plug that. We have lots of great opportunities. Um, but, you so know. On Food Tech Connect. On Food Tech Connect. Dot com. Yeah. 
And so, so that's really the community arm. And then, you know, you weave it in with Studio Industries, which is our product development arm where we can actually get in the lab and make stuff, you know, make stuff. And then you look at the future market where it's sort of a dual purpose where we can test out crazy ideas in the market at our other activations to see what people think about them. But we can also just propose things that, you know, you know, hmm, what happens if, you know, we made this and then we can put it out there in the market and if people kind of glom onto it, then we take it and we say, hmm, let's develop that. What's the craziest thing you've actually produced and put out to actually demo live or try? That we've actually, the craziest thing that we've thought of is this thing called a meat trellis, which is basically a trellis that cultures meat behind you. We haven't made that yet, but, um, you know, it's funny because I think, um, yeah, the craziest thing was probably going into Italy and selling polenta to Italians. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Seeds and Chips last year, we created a product called Three Sisters, which is based off of the Three Sisters crops, corn, beans, and squash. Beautiful polyculture, really supports the land. It's a great way of growing produce, but no one really grows stuff like that anymore. So we said, what if there was a billion dollar brand or a billion dollar looking brand that was, you know, sort of like a dehydrated instant polenta um, that took all the corn, beans and squash from Three Sisters and made that into a product. So we decided what better way to sell polenta than to Italians. And uh, so crazy from a food perspective, maybe not crazy from a marketing, marketing perspective. perspective. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So with all these new companies and startups and and people jumping in, I think the job board is an interesting piece. What type of skills and what types of jobs are up there in this new world? I mean, I, I get so many. I'm sure both of you get them also. I get the messages on LinkedIn and the emails to the show and people asking, um, I'm interested in the food tech space you know, what should I do or how do I get into it? This is my background. So we actually are, we have been launching a series to answer those questions, actually. I did not know that, but now I do. Yeah. So listen up, people who are interested in working in the food tech world. Yeah. So we have some beginner, we have some resources, some guides on where you can get yourself educated, events, podcasts that you should listen to, including your podcast. Tech Bites. Yes. Every Uh, Thursday at 11 a.m. live, available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and all your podcasting platforms. Yes. And then um, next week we start, we're launching a series where we have people who, um, to kind of track the career paths in food, Um, I think a lot of people either are just getting into starting their careers or are want to transition from another industry and aren't really sure how to do that. And so what we've done is we have done interviews with dozens of people in the food industry where they share their career paths, how they got started, how they took skills from other careers and, and how that translated to food. And so we really want to kind of come up with this um, career like genome. Do you know? Yeah, like like starting to define those things. Um, I think, you know, there's never been more interest in working in food. There are so many exciting opportunities on our job board. I mean, again, it goes across the value chain. We have agricultural technology, um, startups, restaurant tech, um, CPG companies, and, you know, everything from operations, jobs, sales, 
um, developers, designers, social media content. I mean, there's a whole wide range. Um, they're, they're just like a real, a lot of really exciting opportunities. And I think that for anyone that's looking, you really just have to be hungry and to get your hands dirty, um, and realize that this is such a new industry. I mean, literally seven years ago, there were like 50 organizations that were working in this space. And now, I mean, in our database, we have uh, over 7,000 companies, um, and we're adding more every day Uh, and, really, you know, the lines between food and technology and food and innovation are so blurring. So, you know, every food company has some form of social media or technology um, involved. Well, there's certainly no shortage of topics for this show. And, you know, when I pitched the idea to the network years, years ago now, it was interesting to me that there wasn't a food tech show. And I initially started off with the framework of um, having it be digital tech, because mm-hmm. um, that to me seemed um, a, a clear path, and since has evolved uh, to continue to include apps and software and information platforms, but then also you know farming tech and events, and there's so much happening: mm-hmm. cooking tech, food tech, in terms of actually creating new foods and things like that. It's sort of been explosive. It's pretty amazing. Definitely. So we are out of time. So we'll have to have you come back in another year, maybe, or so, or when you next have um, exciting news to share. If you're interested in finding out more about Food Tech Connect, that's foodtechconnect.com. They're on Instagram and Twitter, at Food Tech Connect. If you're interested in Studio Industries, studioindustries.com. On Twitter, it's studio underscore industry. And on Instagram, it's at Studio Industries. And do you have uh, social media web for Alpha Food Labs? AlphaFoodLabs.com. You can also check out The Future Market at TheFutureMarket.com. And on social at TheFutureMKT. Wonderful. And if you are interested in getting in touch with us at TechBytes, you can email us, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, HRN. And if you love the show, come back and see us Thursday mornings at 11. You can always download it, get it to go on demand, or subscribe to it on iTunes. If you really can't live without it, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, become a member, make a donation. Throw us, you know, maybe what you spent on coffee today. That'll help us make more radio. And if you designate your donation to Tech Bytes, I will send you something special along with my undying love. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi, and this is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. 
Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.